Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 20 and 21. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verses 20 and 21. I was, I was actually praying while we were worshiping. Thank God for a wonderful worship experience. Amen. Appreciate the good choir singing, the special singing. I thought maybe that we was going to, uh, and of course I mean this in, in a good way, an appropriate way, we was going to get carried away in worship this morning. And uh, I don't do this often, but I actually prayed while it was happening that God would uh, not let it get too far along and we'd miss out on the message that God has given us this morning because like anyone, I sure do enjoy a good service, a good worship experience, and, and even, uh, even, if, even if I don't get to preach the sermon, if the Lord's in it, I want that to be done, amen? But I believe this morning that God has given us this message, and I think it is needful that it's preached here this morning, right now in this time, and I was worried maybe, maybe we wouldn't get to, we wouldn't get to hear it, but I'm thankful that we are I think it is so important to our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verses 20 and 21. If you're there, say amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin." For us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Heavenly Father, we pray, God, that You would bless us and help us this morning. Lord, that we could, that our lives could be surrendered and changed and eternally changed by Your Word. If there's anyone here this morning who is not a Christian, not been born again, never received you, accepted you as their very own personal Savior. I pray this morning would be the very morning that they repent of their unbelief and receive you by faith and come to you. Lord, help us have this word, your word, to come to life in our hearts here this morning. And I pray, God, that whoever's listening now and whoever should listen hereafter, Lord, would believe your word Lord, we love you, we thank you, praise you, and worship you. In your name, Christ, we ask these things. Amen. And Paul, at the end of verse number 20, says, Be ye reconciled to God. And then verse 21 gives the argument why you should be. Why should you be reconciled to God? He urges us, in verse 21, in the strongest possible way, gives the strongest possible reason for being reconciled to God. I'm glad Paul says, in a sense he says, come to Jesus and here's why. Get right with God and here's why. Or get right with God, verse 20, and here's how. Get right with God, be reconciled. That means reconciled is two people who are against each other. They come together. There once was division and now there's not. Come to God and here's the reason why and here's the how. Verse 21 For he hath made him, Jesus, God made him to be sin. That's a heavy statement, isn't it? God made Jesus to be 
sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And so, to put it simply, it's you come to God this morning because God hath made His Son to be sin. And it's not His sin, but it, was, it is your sin. For He knew no sin. For He made Him to be sin for you. God made Jesus to be sin for you. You're in us, ain't you? God, think about that. God made Jesus to be sin for you who knew no sin. So that means He took your sin that you might be made the righteousness of God in Him, in Jesus. He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. The Bible says in the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter number 2, verse number 22, speaking of the Lord Jesus, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Jesus can be a sacrifice for sinners because he did no sin. Amen? The book of Hebrews chapter number 7, verse number 26 says of Jesus that he is holy and harmless. He is undefiled. He is separate from sinners. So he wasn't guilty. He wasn't a sinner. He wasn't deserving of death on a cross. But he became sin for you. Amen? Who knew no sin that you could be reconciled to God that you could have the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. He hath made Him to be sin for us. Now notice in that passage in verse 21, those two words, for us. That's interesting. He hath made Him to be sin for us. The sin is man's. Therefore a man has to be punished Jesus became a man to take away the sins of man. The sin is man's fault. The sin is your fault. And so Jesus became a man so he could have your sin placed upon himself. Since man has done the sinning, then man has to receive the punishment for that sin. Does that, is that clear? Since man has guilty, man has to pay the price. Since man, since sin is man, the only way that mankind could be saved is by mankind being punished for that sin. But the Bible says in our passage, for he hath made him to be sin for us. Only a man can die for man's sins. I'm glad now we understand that he became a little bit lower than the angels. He took upon himself the form of a servant. He became a man so he could die for man and women and boys and girls. He who knew no sin became sin for us. For us. Man sinned, but man died for sinners. Jesus is fully man and he's fully God. And he had to become a man so he could save you and I from our sins. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? It's wonderful. For us. He died for us. He suffered for us. He was killed for 
us. He was crucified for us. He bled for you. He died for you. Amen. He suffered for you. For what? Because you're a sinner. And only a man can die for sins. And Jesus took upon Himself your sin and my sin, and He died in your place. We call this substitutionary atonement. That He became your substitute. So Jesus died for us, therefore His death was not a martyr's death, because He died for you. It wasn't the death of a criminal, because there was no sin on Him. It was, but it was a sacrifice for sin. Think about that. Jesus was your sacrifice for your sins. He was an offering for you. He was a sin offering. And so he was a sin offering. No, he was your sin offering. He was sacrificed. For you. He bled for you. He suffered for you. He was offered innocent, but became sin for you. He was your sin offering. Amen? I must say, praise the Lord. <laughs> he should be worshipped and exalted. We should be so grateful for what He's done we should be stirred and be filled with gratitude and thanksgivingness and be filled with joy that He was your offering for sin. You say, well, yes, Jesus died, but yes, Jesus died for you. Yes, Jesus was a sin offering, but don't forget, He was your sin offering. Yes, Jesus was offered, but don't ever forget, He was offered on your behalf. He died on a cross for you. He suffered for you. He endured the shame of not His sins, but He endured the shame of your sins. It was not His sins. It was our sins. It was not His guilt. It was your guilt. It was not His shame. It was your shame. It wasn't His trespasses. It is your trespasses. It wasn't His mistakes. It is your mistakes. It's not His offenses. It's, it is your offenses. It's not His wickedness. It is your wickedness. It is not His mistakes. It's your mistakes. It's not His falling short. No, no. He who knew no sin became sin for us who knew no sin. It was your sin who He died for. He was sacrificed for you. He was offered, offered to God on your behalf for your iniquities. He was, his blood was shed not because He was guilty, but because you are. You say, I know that, but do we know that? Because it seems we think we vicarious, you've heard that, the vicarious death of Jesus on the cross. Vicarious means to be done on behalf of someone else. And that someone else is you. Jesus vicariously died for you on a cross so you don't have to face the penalty and the punishment and experience the wrath of God he did that for you. He is your substitute. 
He is your vicarious atoning sacrifice. He sacrificed Himself before God so you don't have to perish. Let's tie some knots together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. For God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here we see at Mount Calvary, we see God's love on display. For God so loved you, He gave His only begotten Son. We see no greater love ever exemplified than what is being exemplified on Mount Calvary. For no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. We see no greater work of righteousness being worked on Mount Calvary because God now can be just according to Romans chapter 3. That God can forgive sinners because the sin debt has been paid. God don't just save sinners because He loves them. He saves sinners because a payment has been, has been paid. He doesn't save sinners merely because He loves them. He loves them, therefore He gave His only begotten Son. God is declared righteous in justifying the believing sinner because not that their sin is ever off the hook. It is on Christ, in Christ, and through Christ Jesus on Mount Calvary. God can be righteous not by merely saying, I love you so much, enter into your reward. But God can be righteous in believing the guilt and justifying the believing sinner because their penalty was paid on the cross of Calvary. Nobody's off the hook here. Jesus put himself on the hook for you and for me. Amen? This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the reason why Jesus died on Mount Calvary. Jesus paid it all, all to Him you and I owe. Amen? I'll cherish the old rugged cross. It is the emblem of suffering and shame. It has a strange attraction, don't it, to you and me, those who know Him. I'll admit, I think I would not be off base a little bit if I said, not even a little bit if I said, as a believer, we should be obsessed with Jesus' crucifixion. We should be intrigued by His crucifixion. We should be amazed by His crucifixion. Say Mount Everest was the, the highest mountain in the world, but there's not been a higher work achieved on Mount Everest than what was done on Mount Calvary. It is the greatest mountain taught for all of humanity. And what's amazing is that I'm glad Jesus didn't die on, on Mount Everest because nobody could get there. I'm glad He didn't die on K2 over there where so many people die. I'm glad it was in a little hillside in Jerusalem. All of us can go to the cross. The crippled can go. The, the white person can go, a black person can go, an African American can go, a Native American can go, an Asian person can go, a young person can go, an old person can go, a teenager can go. All of us can go, amen? For us. For us. Therefore, his death was sacrificial, it was vicarious, it was atoning, because it paid a price that needs to be paid, amen? People say, well, God is so loving. Yes, God is so loving that He gave. But don't ever forget that also God is so holy that He must judge. God is so holy. He is so holy and perfect that when sin became Him, Jesus, that Jesus was crucified on Mount Calvary. 
God is so holy that when sin became Jesus, when He who knew no sin became sin for you and me, God is so holy that the sun refused to shine. God is so holy that the earth broke its heart and earthquakes happened. God is so holy that Jesus even Himself recognized in the midst of His suffering, my God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? God is so holy that His sweat the night before became as great drops of blood. I've shared with you before, we often think, why did Jesus ask, Lord, let this cup pass from me? Was Jesus afraid to die? I don't ever think Jesus was afraid to die. He's not afraid of any man that ever lived. Never been afraid. He told Pilate, for this reason I came into the world. When Herod demanded an answer, the king, he wouldn't open his mouth. He walked right in the midst of the temple and turned over the money changers' tables. No, he wasn't afraid of man. Never was he afraid of man. What was Jesus so worried about in Gethsemane? He was afraid to experience the wrath of God. But why would he do that? Did he do something wrong? No, we did. Why would he do that? Why would he be worried? Did he make some mistake? No, you did. Why would Jesus tremble? Did he transgress the law? No, you did. I did. On Mount Calvary, there's been no greater love displayed. But if God, because when sin, when He became sin who knew no sin, when His wrath was poured out on Mount Calvary, when His Son was beaten like a scoundrel at a post, when they tore His back into bloody ribbons of flesh, why? Because that is what sin punished is. What does the great prophet say? Isaiah 53. He was bruised for our iniquities. Our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. Is it the 12th verse? 22nd verse, Isaiah 53, the last verse of the chapter. He bare the sin of many. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We turned everyone to our own way. But the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. For us. For us. Praise the Lord. Amen. For us. Thank God for Calvary. He said, why are you going to heaven? Simple. Jesus. That's it. Paul in Philippians, he said, I went to about chapter 3, I went to, a, I went to go about to establish my own righteousness, but I found out that I, I couldn't. I tried to be righteous by keeping the law, and I found out I come short of it every single time. I found out the righteousness of God is through faith in Christ Jesus. In Lastly, why did Jesus do this? Well, the easy answer we'll all think is because He loves us. But amen. Praise God He loves us. Amen. 
He does. But why did he do that? Because of the demands of the law had to be fulfilled because there isn't any sin that's ever been committed that will not go unpunished. They all will. All of them. It's either you or in Jesus. Why did Jesus die on a cross? Well, we could say because the Bible said he would. Amen. Prophecy was fulfilled. Yes. Psalms 22. Absolutely. But why did Jesus die on the cross? Because the wages, listen carefully, listen carefully, the wages of sin is death. But he didn't know sin for us. Our sin. For us, Jesus died. For you, Jesus died. An offering for sin on your behalf. Why did Jesus die on the cross? Because your sin must be punished. But Jesus paid for it. Now don't think today that well, the whole, that we call it universal atonement. Don't think that since Jesus died on the cross that everybody now has their sin debt paid. No. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. The righteousness of God is by faith in Jesus Christ. Only for those who believe. That's it. Only for those who trust in Jesus. That's it. Jesus' sacrifice, it is absolutely able to save the world. But it's only applied to those who trust in Jesus. That's it. Why did Jesus die? Because sin has to be paid for. Why did Jesus die? Because our text says that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now, when Adam all die, that's you and me. All of you today are born of Adam and Eve. You've come from them. In Adam all die. I don't have to prove that to you. We're all dying. Your, your flesh is dead. Your desires are dead. Sin has infected and corrupted every aspect of your nature. Even the good things that God has given us, we have corrupted them. We don't know how to handle them. We don't know how to eat. We don't know how to, we don't know how to, we don't know how to love. We don't, know how to, we don't know how to do any of the gifts that God's given us because our nature has so corrupted us. We are utterly and wholly sinful. Completely. In Adam all die. But in in Christ shall all be made alive. Now some might think today that, uh, I have, that you have your own righteousness. You don't have any. You don't have any. And unless your righteousness exceeds the Pope or the President of the Southern Baptist Convention, you will in no wise enter therein. Amen? So whoever you think is righteous, they have no righteousness at all. There isn't a man here. There isn't a woman in all of Knoxville that is righteous on their own. That's why Jesus died. Because the moment you trust that He paid your sin debt, 
your sin on Jesus, you trust that He paid it all, in that moment, the Bible lays the righteousness of Christ on your behalf. On your behalf. So simply put, here's what happens. When Jesus died on the cross, He took your sin. And for those who receive Him, He gives them His righteousness. You see the swap? It's called imputation. Your sin's imputed upon Him, and His righteousness is imputed upon the believing sinner. And He can give it. He can give righteousness. Listen, I'm about through. He alone can give righteousness because in Him is no sin. You see it? You see it? The sinless Savior took upon the sins of the world so He could in return give them His righteousness. Romans chapter 10, some people go about to seek their own righteousness, but they're ignorant of the righteousness of God, which is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be saved? I'm closing, but keep listening. What does it mean to be saved? It means that you are saved from the due and just punishment that your sins deserve. It means that you are saved not only from sin and the punishment that it deserves, but you are therefore saved from the wrath of God. And God is daily angry at the sinner. He is angry because of their sins. He is furious. Holy indignation. You've heard of that? God is so holy, He is infuriated, angry because of your sins. But the same God of judgment is the same God who loves sinners. And He who is angry at sin gave His only begotten Son that if you, if you haven't, would believe on Jesus Christ the Savior, then He, God, His great love, through the sacrifice of His Son, would provide you righteousness and God would then therefore see you not in your sins, but in Him. In Christ. And to prove it. For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we, you, might be made the righteousness of God in Him. In Him only. In Him only. And say, when we say, do you know what it is to be saved? It is saved from your sins, saved from the wrath of God Saved from the eternal punishment of sin. Saved. Saved. I want to say, I want to say one more. You still with me? The cross saves you from sin. But the same cross saves God from punishing your sin. Same. The same. God can be righteous. Because of the offering of Christ, God can look upon you now in Christ and justify you. Justify you. In His sight. 
Because in me is no good thing, but in Jesus is righteousness. Do you see it? Maybe this morning, as we get a song prepared, I prayed this morning that the gospel would come alive in our hearts, that we could see it, that as as Paul said in the same epistle, that the light of the glorious gospel of Christ would shine into our hearts. I prayed this morning before I left the house, while I was at the counter, while I was brushing my teeth. You can pray when you brush your teeth, amen? You sure can, anywhere, anytime, in Jesus' name, amen? I prayed not only would the gospel come to life in someone's heart, maybe for the first time, but that God's people would realize that your righteousness is not yours. It is Christ. It is the righteousness of God. And if, it, if the righteousness of God is the righteousness necessary to have everlasting life, then the only way you can have it is by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. See, it's not just... It's not just a a good way. It is the only way that God can justify sinners and be just in forgiving them their sins. That's the only way. It's the only way. There's no other way. So when Jesus says, I am the way, He means it. It's not like He's prejudiced against any other way. There is no other way. There's no other way. There's not another way. Not another way. There's only one way, and it's through Jesus. So Jesus came, he started his ministry, and he said, Repent ye and believe the gospel. This is the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, and that he arose the third day according to the scriptures. And whoever believes on him should not perish but I have everlasting life. Amen? So what do I got to do? Nothing. Nothing. Repent. Turn from yourself. Turn from your way. Turn from your plans. And receive Christ as Savior. Accept Him. Believe on Him. Believe on Him. What would happen then? Well, first thing will probably happen to you, you're going to want to pray. You want to talk to Him about it. Say, I believe the gospel, I believe it, I believe I'm a sinner, I believe if I died without Christ, I'd be eternally punished because of my sins. And God is so holy, His wrath is justified because of His holiness. But the same God who's justified in His wrath is justified in His forgiveness by offering His only begotten Son on my behalf. Okay, you believe that. Say, if you believe that today, if you believe that today, then just come to Jesus, amen? Lord, I believe that. If you've never done it, Lord, I believe that. I receive that. I trust in you. I'm trusting you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Be my Savior. The Lord says, yeah, I want to be. Yes, be my Savior. As we stand to our feet this morning, if I can help you with that, I'd love to. If you'd like to meet me here, I'd love to chat with you about it. I'd love to pray with you. But if you'll come to Jesus... He'll in no wise cast you out. Amen? I know that because He already died on the cross for you. He already died on the cross for you. He'll in no wise cast you out. He's already demonstrated His love for you. Already demonstrated His plan for you. Already showed you 
But I, hey, I want you. Be ye reconciled to God. We're tying it together now. Be ye reconciled to God because why? He has done everything that is necessary for you to be reconciled to God. Be ye reconciled to God. You see it? Lord, I pray you see it. As we sing together, you obey the Lord.